welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. everyone and welcome to today's podcast. Some of us have been on lockdown now for four or five weeks and many of us have no date for when we will be able to reopen. Whereas in other countries or other states, they either didn't have a compulsory close order from their government or if they did close, they're now getting ready to reopen. Regardless of what your current situation is, I believe that it's essential that you plan for the day that you do reopen, because if you're going to get through this and come out the other end stronger and even better prepared, then you need to make sure you adopt a positive mindset and look for new opportunities for when we do reopen. Obviously, it's important that you also understand your legal obligations in the event that there are changes that have been made and new rules that you have to follow. But Aside from that, it's important that you look for opportunities to reinvent or redefine the client's salon experience and the team experience. So on today's podcast, I've chosen to interview two leaders in the industry to see how they're dealing with the situation as it stands. First up is Clive Allwright from the Our Place Salon in Sydney. Second is Heath Lavingdale from the Feel Soho Salon in London. I'm asking both of them questions about how they're dealing with the recovery phase as they start to plan for opening day and what the new norm will look like in their respective salons and countries. Welcome to the show, Clive. Thank you, Anthony. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honour to be back back on the show. Uh, well, I wish it was in better times. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's great to have you here, um, you know, to, to share some of the things that you're doing. There's a, you know, because you're based in Australia, that's an interesting thing in itself in that, um, you know, a lot of our audience or majority of our audience are American and, uh, and British. Um, and they're probably not aware that in Australia that you actually didn't even have to close. So some salons did, some salons didn't. And uh, even the ones that did close, there is now a very uh, strong movement towards uh, them reopening. Uh, do, do you want to talk about that and, and how what sort of impact that's had on the industry uh, and, you know, what percentage of salons closed, all that sort of stuff, and, and what changes uh, salons have been bringing into place? Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, and you, you're right there, and that is that the government have shut pretty much everything else down in Australia, pubs, clubs, bars. They've even chain-linked off the beaches. You can't even go for a swim. And yet the government, originally they said that salons could stay open as long as that they did a service within 30 minutes. And then there was kind of uproar from the industry saying, well, then you can't do colours and you can only do a haircut. In what kind of haircut can you do in 30 minutes? And all that kind of stuff. And then a couple of days later, they changed it and they lifted the 30-minute ban and they said that beauty, uh, spas and beauticians had to close, but hairdressers could stay open, which is kind of crazy because, you know, they've also introduced these social distancing rules of, of four square metres around each person. Um, you know, you can't sit on a park bench with four people. You've got to have adequate space. They've closed all the playgrounds and all that kind of stuff. The police have actually also enforced a thousand dollar fine for anyone in breach of the law so if you go with three people to the park and not two 
you can in 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 effect all get a thousand dollar fine, which which they're ha- happily handing out. And so, you know, there's two there's two sides to this, and that is that because we're legally allowed to stay open, the industry is allowed to stay open. We have got it's divided an industry, which is a really sad thing. You know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff on the social media. Lots of people are very passionate and obviously very scared. They're coming from a, pa- a place of fear and. Um, you know, some people are refusing to close, um, and then others like myself. You know, we have a very small business. Um, we have, you know, a small cellar in the heart of Sydney. It's only fifty-seven square meters. Um, we have five chairs to work from, and we have a total staff of six. And so, what happened with us was, was that my staff and I felt that it was com- when this all started and. You know, I'm very fortunate now with technology. I saw what was happening on in New, in New York with the hairdressers and, and its hairdressing salons, and obviously my friends in London. and And I and I could see this was potentially had, could be a lot worse than what we were currently dealing with. And you know, there's many factors that came into play in the decision for us to close. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 quite it's very sad in in what I'm seeing through the social media channels. People are very passionate they get quite angry at each other they don't know each other and they're abusing each other for you know you should be closed and you know people are telling people how to run their businesses which is really sad because I think you know when it, when it, the decision came for us when, when we had to make that decision we based our decision on the facts that we were faced with at that present time at that moment and we decided that it was unfaith, unfair and unsafe for us to keep trading so yeah, it's it's very different to what you've you know. I know in the UK some salons chose to close, and then the government stepped in, and then they closed them all. Which those of us that closed, we were kind of hoping was going to happen here. But you know, on on the upside, and there will be a good lot. There'll be some really good news that comes out of this. Um, you know, we you know we are th- slowing the curve. Um, I don't know whether it's because of the hot weather that we're having here at the moment, but our infection rate is dropping, um, which is. You know, I said it when we when we first made that decision to close. When I did cop a bit of flack um, through people in the industry, you know, you know, because I put a post out saying, "If you want to be like Vidal Sassoon, Tony and Guy, and Nick Arojo and, and Sally Brooks, now's your chance. Close your business." You know, and you know, I copped a bit of flack for that. And then my response was, "Well, I hope that for the first time in my life, I'm wrong about this. I'm happy to be wrong on this, but right now." I've chosen, we've chosen to close our business and we feel like it was the right thing to do. So, yeah, yeah. And, and so even though the government haven't closed uh, salons down, they did close most other businesses down, did they? Because That's right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know okay. I mean, it's kind of weird because the shopping centres are technically still open. The individual yeah. businesses inside have, have, clo- have chosen to close. Obviously, supermarkets are still open. But technically speaking, you can go to a barber's. Like I drove past a barber's the other day. There was four people waiting in the barber shop. There were kids in the barber shop. Yeah. The barbers were working with masks, but the place was packed. Yeah. But you so, can't go to the beach and, and, and sit with four people on a bench. Yeah. Know? I think one thing that I, I need to make sure that everyone who's listening to this is aware of is that in Australia, there's only been something like 60 people in total have died from COVID-19, whereas in well, you, everyone knows what's been happening in Europe and what's happening in the United States. I mean, we're sort of at the moment averaging, I think, about 700 people a day passing away. And they think that those figures are underreported. And, and I know they're uh, even higher than that in the United States. So, you know, it, it does put a different slant on it. Um, you can't help wondering whether 
um, either either you're not going to go into a tailspin, you know. Uh, in other words, I suppose what I'm saying is, you know, have you dodged a bullet, so to speak, or is the worst yet to come as you do get into winter? And I suppose that the answer to that is that time will tell. So as salons are starting to reopen now, um, because that's what I wanted to focus on with this call. Um, what what sort of things have they done? To, to start with, is there any any laws that the government have put in place about salons going forward, either at a federal level or a, a citywide level? You know uh, about what things salon must adhere to. As far as I'm aware, there's no actual law in regards to operating your business. Um, I think. They've, they recommend that you wear masks and they say, please practice social distancing. For instance, if you have a 20-chair a salon, then you can have 10 of those chairs operating with 10 clients, a total of 20 people, which, you know, I, I, I don't understand how that is a safe environment. But, you know, in, in regards to actual laws, we, I mean, we... I've been very fortunate with, with my team, with our team, that we, we speak every day on Zoom. Um, we've actually spent our downtime really mod- working on the, you know, what our business is going to look like when it reopens, and it will be a very different business. Yeah. You know, obviously due to the size of the space, you know, um, we it's usually packed and bustling full of people, and you know, uh, and, and it's a hive of activity. And we, we we're constantly putting out the message on through our social media channels. I do a weekly video update to our clients. Um, informing them that we're still closed and we'll be making the decision on when we reopen this weekend. But when we reopen, we've really restructured our business. And one of the things that I think is on the upside of this is is that our business model will look very different. We will be trading for seven days a week. We're actually going to take a leaf out of almost Asia's trading um, laws. If they've been spent some time in Hong Kong or Asia, you go to the shops, they're open till very late at night, most nights a week. And in order for us to fit the clients in, and we will only have two clients working per day, sorry, two stylists with two clients, and they will work with that client from start to finish. So there's no no one slotted in between. It will be, you know, the two words that we're throwing around are safety and professionalism. You're going to spend, the, our staff are going to spend a lot more time one-on-one with the clients, and they're going to be working till later in the evening in order to some fit to fit extra clients in. Right. We're going okay. to be doing five days a week, five nights a week, and we're going to be trading on Sundays as well. But we're going to rotate the team. So basically one team will work one day and they'll get the, that the next day off, and then the next team will come in and, and we'll rotate that and we'll, and we'll work our way through. We're also going to make sure that everyone gets a consultation either by phone or FaceTime prior to their arrival. And for the first time in, since, well, in my career, I think in all of our career, um, we're going to be giving our clients a pack with a gown, two disposable towels, two face masks, and two sets of gloves if, if required. If the client feels more comfortable wearing a set of gloves in the chair, yeah. we've asked them not to go to the shops before they come. They can go to the shops afterwards, but come directly to the salon, and they have to either ring or text. The door will be locked, and we'll allow them in, and we'll spend that time with them during during um during their services. So yeah, a lot of things are going to change. You know, are you imagining? Like that, for example, you know, uh, you said two face masks and, and gloves and t- gowns, towels, combs, all that sort of stuff in a sealed bag. Are you imagining that's going to be a long-term thing or is this a, this is what we're going to do for a month and then we're going to reassess it sort of strategy? Absolutely. You know, and we're reassessing um, from when we first did, did, the, shot, did the lockdown, 
you know, the ideas were flying around and the ideas we've got right now, we've kind of evolved and, you know, and hopefully, I mean, as you mentioned before, we're in a very different season pattern to, to America and North, the Northern Hemisphere. We're just about to go into winter. So our main concern is, is we're very blessed right now with having high temperatures in, in, in Australia, in, in Sydney especially. And when that changes, obviously we're going into flu season and it's really just assessing the facts on a daily, sometimes hourly basis of, you know, the government have already put, done a, 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 put out a statement today. You know, we have to reassess. They just said we're going to put the social distancing laws in place or keep them in place for another four weeks and then they'll relook at it again. And I think it all depends on the numbers. I mean, the reason why we've got so, such low numbers at the moment is I think, A, because of the weather is a massive contributing factor, and also we've, the government stepped up really early and shut a lot of things down. Mm. And, um, and I think as time goes on, and now I know that this week a lot of salons and my friends have started to reopen, but I think our businesses, it's going to be, the new, we call it the new norm. What's going to be the new norm? The way that we do business and what is going to be the key selling point of our business. And we've really focused is on, focusing on, you know, the safety and the professionalism. You know, regardless, we're not focusing on anything, what we're doing with balayage or haircutting. Our social media is all going to be channeled into, if you come into this space, and it's called our place, you come into our place, your safety is our main concern. And 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 uh, that's the, the the line we're going with at the moment. Right. Okay. And all these things cost money. So you know when you're talking about giving people masks and 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 you know the the packs that you're talking about, etc. Uh, all that sort of thing costs money. Is there any? Um, well, two questions and one really. Uh, is there is there any price increase involved in that? Uh, and or have you had any or what sort of assistance are you getting from um, local you know, authorities, local government, et cetera? Great question. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at all different models at the moment. Nothing's off the table at this point. Do you know what I mean? And my staff, are, every day when we do our Zooms, my staff or our staff are always welcome to put anything out on the table that they see deemed would be a benefit for the business. Everyone gets an equal voice. And one of the things that was recently raised was by charging, uh, charging by time, how much time we spend with clients. That's still on the table. We're going to be looking at um, changing our prices regarding to how long people spend in the salon. But the good news is, is that I've had some good news today, and, and there's been a lot of stuff thrown around by the government about we could be doing this and we could be doing that. One of my really good friends in the industry or this afternoon sent me an email saying that the the state government, we're in, we're in the state of New South Wales, has, has put a small business grant available to businesses like ours. And it was, you applied for, the application was done online and it takes 15 minutes and it's all linked back to your business. You put in your business registration number, et cetera, which is all linked through the government websites. And it literally took me 15 minutes to apply and I had to upload our latest business activity statement, which is linked to this tax office. And I got a, an instant reply saying your business has, has been um, has been accepted and, and granted, and the ten thousand dollar grant will be in your account within the next five days. Now it does state that you must spend that on telecommunications, paying your providers, um, any wage costs for any of your stuff. Which I have a staff member who's on a, a temporary visa right now that in the process of going for her residency, she's not covered in the in the the current government stimulus package. So that will allow me to pay for her. Mm. Updating our website, obviously 
all of the personal protection equipment that we're going to need to purchase hand sanitizer, masks, extra gloves, you know, the extra time we're going to have to spend cleaning. One of the things that we've we're going to implement is after a client leaves, we're going to have a 30 minute gap, which is an excessive amount of time, but we're going to actually have 30 minutes to properly professionally clean that station. And also the clients will be offset. There won't be two clients arriving on that on the hour together. There'll be one at 10 and one at 10.30. And so a lot of things going into place when, we, when our business reopens. But I was amazed today when I got the um, the grant accepted by the New South Wales government within 15 yeah. minutes. It was incredible, yeah. Well, that, that is incredible. I mean, I know a lot of small businesses in the in the UK and the US would, would rip, rip your arm off to have that sort of response that quickly. And that's a grant. That's not even a loan that you have to pay back. That's a grant. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, and it's fantastic. And it's interesting because I've, I've actually spoken to a, a few other um, headdresses, business owners, and informed them of it this evening. And it's not something that's readily sort of made public. But you know, there's a few things going on. The government have also stepped up with a with a wage subsidy um, called a job keeper package, which we apply through the Australian Taxation Department through our accountant. Mm. And as long as your business is up to date, which is ours is, with the, you know you're paying your taxes and all that kind of stuff. Certain businesses and, and employees are entitled to what we call a job keeper, which is a fifteen hundred Australian dollars per fortnight per staff member. Wow, okay. which is going to really take, as we say, take the dairy off of the situation we're in. But yeah. in order to get that, they 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 must still be working as well to some capacity. So everyone's wages, their sorry, their hours and their shifts are going to be dramatically re- reduced. They're not going to be working the. the 38 required hours that they, they usually are. They're going to work a day, have a day off, work a day, have a day off. And uh, and that's also to keep them safe as well. We want them to feel safe. And, you know, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel like we have a duty of care and that is our priority right now. Right. And have you had to uh, – uh, I know someone else I was talking to recently is, is doing something like that and he's issuing his staff with uh, new month-by-month employment contracts – um, and new month-by-month uh, remuneration packages in line with that. Uh, are you doing anything like that? Do you need to do anything like that? Not, we're not currently discussing, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, we, we're going to actually look at this, as I mentioned, we're going to look at this week by week, sometimes day by day. Um, we've got a, a figure that we're looking at to achieve on a daily basis that's been thrown around right now that we consider to be, Fair and be with certain be it will be a cash flow coming into the business. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I have to say this, and that is that when we decided to close, our main concern was for our staff, and we sat all of our staff down and we said, "We will pay you um, for the next four to five weeks." And we spoke with our accountant, and legally we could jiggle the numbers a little bit, and you know, the government was advising us to pay the, our staff seventy five percent of their wage. For the next five weeks, to to in order for us to retain cash flow, mm. if and when this was going to go longer or short, because at the time we didn't know if it was going to spike or go, you know, go off in the extreme, and thousands of people were going to die. We didn't know what we were faced with. Sure, but yeah, yeah. We looked at them and said, "Look, we've got five. We can pay you for five weeks, and after that, we'll reassess it." And then the government stepped in with the with the wage stimulus package, and you know, and I guess the point I'm trying to make here is this: is that our staff were so grateful when we when we said that because obviously they've got to pay rent and they've of got course, you know yeah. they've got to feed themselves and 
the the love and and respect that we got from all of our staff and and the the, the well wishes we've, and and the thank yous we got sure. were simply outstanding. And so Good. we 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 made it quite clear from the outset that you know we wanted them to be part of every decision that we made. We were in this together as a team. It wasn't going to come from the management situation or from Kelly and I being owners of the business. This is what we want you to do. We wanted everyone to have a, a, a real input into what our business is going to look like in the future. And, and by, by being up front with our clients, we've, we've, we've got some amazing people on board with our team. And, and, they, and they were actually prepared to follow us into the line of battle. They, you know, when this all kicked off, they went, we're happy to keep working for you because you know, we know that you know, you're all cash flow and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, yeah, you know, let's, get it, let's get it moving. So, yeah. And, you know, okay. So, so what are some practical things that you're doing in the salon that could be done in any country, any, any salon? What are some practical changes that you're making uh, before you reopen? Uh, things like, for example, uh, with your, your glasses and cups, et cetera, are you going to, to, to disposable, you know, that, that sort of stuff? What, what things have you got in mind along those areas? We're sending out an email to all of our clients with, with the basically, this is what the new Our Place Salon looks like and this is what we require. And you have to acknowledge to have received that email prior to your appointment. And in there states all the things that, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to serve you a beverage at this particular time. However, yeah. if you wish to bring in your own personal water bottle, we're happy to refill it with filtered water, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we, we require that you don't bring any children into the salon, um, no pets. As much as we love them, you, you know, this is not the time. Um, we also ask, I mean, I know, um, well, Emiliano was on your recent podcast you know he was talking to him to the other day and he's saying that his staff where what if they come to work with um on public transport the clothes that they travel in have to be changed and they change into work clothes and then change back all those things are are, are up for discussion um things yeah. like magazines all the magazines have gone out of the salon right you know we're giving people tips of things to follow and to also hashtag safe professional salon all that kind of stuff yeah um apart from the the, the the package with the the gown only gets used once and it gets put straight into the washing machine. We we were looking at disposable gowns. We only use a gown on a client once anyway. Yeah. Um, so those practices have changed. We don't put it into a laundry basket. It goes straight into the into the washing machine. Um, the stylist will wear a mask and the client will wear a mask. Okay. And you know it's interesting because when you go into a nail bar. Um, it's to get your nails done or you go into a spa, you don't think twice when the person's doing your nails wearing a mask. You look, you did, it doesn't even cross your mind, you know. Mm, it's mm. different in a salon, but I think that's going to be the new norm moving forward. I think mm. it's going to be a long time before we feel in a safe position to, to, to remove the mask. And, and then we've, we've listened to all the sort of different medical advice and people say it doesn't really do this. It, you know, it, it protects the person in the chair and that's the way we're selling this. Yeah, we're saying, look, we're seeing people all day long. We just want to make, we want you to feel safe. So we're wearing it, and we want you to wear it, just so it's it's for peace of mind. And that's really what we're we're targeting here. Yeah. Be before you open, are you going to do any sort of training thing with your team to, 
get them to understand, you know, the new norm and uh, how to deal with any challenging questions that they might get from clients, um, any changes you made to the service experience. Are you, are you going to do any sort of, you know, reinduction into, you know, this is our place, you know, 2.0? Correct, yeah. And, and I guess the, the, the benefits of getting the staff to have, have a voice is, is that they've actually written what that new norm is going to look like. And they've come up with some ingenious ideas. Like, first and foremost, there's a government um, test that you need to do, or you can do voluntarily, called the COVID-19 test. You do it online with the Australian government, yeah. and it gives you a certificate to say you've, you've actually completed that safety check. Um, and uh, secondly, things like using the FPOS machine. It's covered up with, um, you know, um, I don't know what you call it, and it's saran wrap in America, glad wrap, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's changed after every everyone's use. You know, all of that we've got we've, on the mirror, we have a list of all the things, like all of your stylist tools today are sanitized up every client. All of these, and I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but, you know, your gown and your towels are only, we use disposable towels. Mm. You know, they're only used once and they're disposed of. Yeah, and all of these things are to make you feel safe. Okay, the check-in and check-out process is that being done at the chair, or are you still having a reception desk? What's that sort of functionality? It's done at the chair. It's done at the all chair. done in the chair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And as I mentioned briefly before, all of our clients booked in for color will actually undergo a FaceTime one-on-one with their stylist. Mm-hmm. So the stylist, when they have their technical day off, they'll con- connect with all of their clients for their next working day via FaceTime and they'll have that discussion with them and then also just run through that checklist with them. Yeah. By the way, you do realise that if you can't find anyone to look after, look after your child, we will not be able to allow you to, to enter, all those kind of things. Just so you're aware, we've got that three-point check. So it'll be a text, it'll be an email, and it'll be a phone conversation or a FaceTime. Yeah. Um, how important has it been, you've alluded to, uh, having Zoom meetings with your staff members, et cetera, and how involved they've been in this process. Um, h- how important has that been in involving them into developing this new client experience and, and what the team experience is going to be, as opposed to them just coming back to work and you saying, this is how it's going to be now, guys? No, well, this is the thing. It, it's, it hasn't been like the behaviors every day. They've been involved with this from day one. And so, you know, the the... The feeling we've got amongst the team now is one of, it's almost excitement. People are, are super excited to get back to work and, and to operate under these conditions. You know, we have split the team, the, the team into teams. You know, we've got team A, team B, team C, and they will work together initially for the next month. So they'll only work with, the, with one other person. With, they won't have that whole luxury of working, of working together. But they've, they've, they're the ones that have put all these checks and balances in place. They're the ones that have come and brought these ideas to the table. You know, things like we've got signs on the, we've got a sign on the front door saying, stop, do not enter. Um, you know, and a reason for that, you know, you just can't walk in off the street. Yeah. You've either got a ring, an appointment. In the bathroom, we've got the government, we've ordered the government signs to how to wash your hands properly. Yeah. When the client arrives, we're going to wash our hands together, you know. Yeah. And all these things are going to happen and, you know, it's going to take a little while to adapt. But I think we've been through the process so many times, you know, on so many Word documents of what that's going to look like. Everyone's now across 
Now, they've written the training. You know, they've had an integral part of this from the minute we started this. Good, so, good. Yeah, I think that's you know. a really important takeaway for people. Um, yeah. I, I know that your salon is in a um, – it's in a very densely populated area. I know you've got a lot of hotels around you, for example. Uh, how, how has that affected your decision-making process about how things are going to be done? Well, that was one of the main reasons for, for us making the decision to close. There was a few that happened prior to us making that decision to close that were really the crowning moments of, of, of our decision. And, and one of them was... We are located uh, right next door, we're 50 metres from a Holiday Inn hotel, and that hotel was being used um, by the passengers off the cruise ships, which, as you, if, you, if you've seen the news in Australia, most of our infection came off of cruise ship passengers that, yeah. that entered into Australia that were freely allowed to roam throughout the, you know, the city. And it was a busy Saturday morning, and we had a family of four walk into the salon, and the whole family came into the salon. They sat in the waiting area. And the son got his hair cut. And I went up to the family and introduced myself, shook my hands with the father and the mother and said, hi, I haven't seen you before. Welcome. You know, I'm the owner. And they explained that they were from an area called Broken Hill, which is at least five, six hours drive out of Sydney. And I was like, wow, you've picked a strange time to, to enter Sydney from, you know, from, from the bush, as we call it. And they said, oh, no, we arrived this morning off a cruise ship and we're staying at the Holiday Inn and we thought we'd come and get a haircut before we drove back tomorrow. And I was like, you're kidding me. And that was one of a series of events that happened. And, you know, prior to the government putting the military and the police outside the hotel, these passengers were allowed to enter the hotel and then go out and sit and have breakfast in a cafe, go and get a coffee, get a haircut. And then this is when the decision became completely untenable and we were not able to police who was entering into our business. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... And to sort of wrap up where we started off, I, I think that's a really good example of what's right for one business is not right for another. Um, and regardless of what people feel about, you know, what the government should or shouldn't have done, often it's in hindsight that you go, I'm glad we did this or, or I'm glad we didn't do this sort of thing. Um, it, it certainly seems that so far um, Australia's been really lucky in this whole situation and that they have had such a a small death toll and maybe it is because of the weather maybe it is because it's a you know it's a big country with a small population but having said that sydney is a city with five million people in it so right. and, and a big asian population that you know travel a lot back and forward to china so you know it, it would have been in I, I would have thought would have been on the cards that there could have been you know a, a quite a significant it, outbreak there. so it's great that you haven't it could have been catastrophic. And, you know, China is our biggest trading partner in Australia. And, you know, we have more direct flights in and out of places of China coming into Sydney than any other part of Australia. And I do want to make this point as well, and that is that, you know, the situation that I face with in, in Sydney, in Potts Point, is very, very different to that of someone in Broken Hill or Tasmania or someone in a rural area of Australia, which yeah. I think, going back to my original point, Come back to the confusion and the passion, you know, because what we're stating in that's going on in Pods Point is very different to what's going on to someone in Emerald in Queensland, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll just use that as an example. But I think the point is, is everyone's running their own race in a very, very difficult time and trying to do the best they possibly can out of a really horrible situation. And, and I applaud anyone for that's, that's just giving it a go, as we say in Australia. You know, we're doing yeah. what we think is right. And I, we, I think we're doing, well, that's it. I think we're just doing what we believe to be the right thing to do right now. 
Exactly, and that's what you've got to do. Uh, Clive, we need to wrap up there, but uh, Clive Allwright from Our Place Salon in Sydney, I want to really thank you for sharing your ideas and you know the, the way that you're moving through this challenging time for everyone and the things that you're putting in place. I know that there were some great ideas there, and I'm sure some of our audience will have some takeaways that they can implement in their salon. So you know, I think at times like this, it's more important than ever that people share what they're doing and their best practices because uh, – you know, a lot of salon owners are sort of just, you know, they've closed the door and uh, they're sitting on the couch watching Netflix and, and they think they're going to just reopen and it's going to be business as usual. And uh, the more I talk to people all around the world, the more I'm convinced that it is going to be business as unusual without shadow of a doubt. So, I can't care. So, yeah. So thanks for joining us today, Clive. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Anthony, once again. And keep up the great work, mate. I definitely feel very connected in times of isolation by certainly listening to your podcast, mate. So you're doing a stellar job. Thank you. Thank you very much. So my final guest today is Heath Lavingdale from Phil Soho Salon in London. So welcome to the show, Heath. Hi, Anthony. What a privilege and a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. I can't wait to get started. It's really good to have you on today. I know... uh, you know, that you've got a lot to offer. And, you know, just so that our audience sort of understand a little bit about your business, you are in central London in the middle of Soho. You have a very busy salon, uh, very busy and successful salon, I must say. So, um, you know, you'll bring a, a different slant to the conversation so far um, because it's, uh, you know, it's a typical London salon, but it is, you know, it's busy. It's very productive and it's it's in a, a small-ish space. I suppose what I'm really alluding to is, and you pay a king's ransom for rent. And so things like that are going to impact on the decision-making process. But anyway, um, Regardless of the country or state or city that you're in, there will be a day when you reopen. And uh, that's what I want you to talk about today, the forward planning things that are going to go into it. Because I know you're on shutdown at the moment, and I just heard 10 minutes before we got on this call that our government have now uh, mandated a further three weeks. I I hate to be the one to tell you that. Um, where you must be closed for another three weeks uh, legally, which is obviously having a big impact on on a lot of businesses out there. But, you know, hopefully during that three weeks, you and lots of other people, we will be putting a lot of forward planning things in place to enable a smooth reopening for when we do get to the other side of this. So uh, we will get, uh, you know, so and we will get to the other side of it. So anyway, look, let me jump in here. And I, I like to uh, first start off by asking one question straight up front, and it's about the mm-hmm. legal obligations um, because different cities, different countries um, are bringing in different laws or not bringing them in. And as a salon owner, obviously, you need to be able to prepare in advance for that. So, you know, from a legal yeah. perspective, have the UK bought in anything that you need to adhere to in terms of changes of laws, et cetera, regarding social distancing or sanitation processes? Well, at this stage, there hasn't been any sort of guidelines on what's going to happen legally. So we've been spending a lot of time sort of speaking with people in Italy that are a little bit further ahead and uh, also my girlfriend partners in Switzerland at the moment. And interestingly enough, Switzerland's given a date. Uh, in Swi- they're, they're opening salons in Switzerland on the 27th of this month. So, okay. you know, that's actually not so far away. And it was also interesting to hear that, uh, they're opening salons there and you don't need to wear 
a face mask. You don't need to have a face mask for your guests. It's going to be they want you to respect the the, the distance, the two-metre rule between customers but not between operator and stylist. So, you know, it, that's sort of going to start to give us some food for thought about what's going to happen in the UK because there's no doubt in my mind that the UK is going to be looking at how successful that is. Yeah. There was a comment on the news there, why are they opening hairdressing salons and not opening museums and other things? Mm. And the government said that what's interesting about hairdressing salons is that because they have the more information about the people, so if somebody comes down with something, they're more easily traced. So, you know, if somebody came down with coronavirus and it was from a salon, they could contact us and we go, they live here and here's their number and possibly trace them. So oh, they're using, it's very interesting news. And we only found out about that about two hours before I started to speak with you, Sandra rang me right. up. And, okay. you know, so that will be quite interesting. And if that's sort of anything to go by, it may mean that possibly salons will open, they'll start to open them up a bit earlier here than okay. perhaps other businesses. Yeah, and they yeah. were also saying that they thought it was quite important because the effect that that has on people getting their hair done is worth it. <laughs> so I thought that was that was quite interesting. And yeah. at this stage, there's been no guidelines here about, um, you know, what's going to happen. We're all just got time to think about what if and, you know, and be prepared. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. So let's let's go on to talking about the client experience. Um, you know, without legal guidelines to um, you know tell you what to do, uh, it becomes something that as a business owner that you you have to start to you know think about and look at what's happening in other countries mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to think about your target market um, and, and the location of your salon and think, okay, what do we need to do here? to uh, reopen and reassure clients with a experience. So, you know, w- what changes are you making or will you put in place as a result of this COVID-19 to make for a better, safer uh, client experience? Look, I think, you know, when this first happened, like everybody, we're all in shock, wondering what's going to happen, you know, and you just, you know, it's, it's like being on a movie set where everybody's gone home really. You're just walking around on the streets and then, you know, as you start to try and be more proactive about that, you start to think, how can we make some changes out of this and make the salon better? How can we make it a better place to work and how can we make it a better place to get your hair done? And, you know, things that we've been, you know, working on is, you know, I mean, it's quite tricky here because we have, you know, 1,100 square feet and we've got 16 styling units in it and rents are fairly expensive. So it needs to be kept fairly productive. So it's not just as easy as, you know, perhaps removing every second chair and putting the prices up a little bit because mm. it, it, it's, it's just a bit of a different situation. So, you know, we've been working on, uh, you know, looking at the times where – so at the start of the week we never use all the chairs. And that's because, you know, we have a lot of people off on Monday, a lot of people off on Tuesday. So, you know, I think we need to start to look at that differently and think, okay, maybe now Saturday isn't the day where everybody works. Maybe a few people revolve on Saturdays so that we only, we can use every second chair uh, and we don't ever really have all the team in. And, I, you know, I think lots of salons that are on these kind of, you know, high kind of rents are going to have to think differently about that. And, you know, we're going to certainly do at least one more late night. Maybe we're going to open Sundays, 
you know, just try and make it so that the team that we have, we never have everybody in at the same time. Sure. You so know, so, so rather than, you know, trying to achieve social distancing through removing chairs, you're increasing opening hours yeah. and increasing opening days so that yeah. you can spread out the same volume of clients, hopefully the same revenue, um, but yeah. over longer hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I'm honest, I think that presents itself as a really big opportunity because yeah. I, I think in the past, you know, we've had clients saying, oh, you know, if it's not Thursday night, I can't come after work and get my highlights done. Mm. And, you know, I have to say, we've got a really amazing team here. And, you know, I, I, I think that people will make allowances for the situation. And I also think a lot of people would be quite proactive. I think they'd rather come in on a Tuesday night to a half-empty salon then come in on a Thursday night to a, you know, I mean, when you've got 16 chairs and they're all full and you've got a few people sitting on the, you know, waiting for their friends, I mean, you can easily have, you know, 40, 50 people in here. So yeah. I think we have to, I think, I think clients will be, we need to send the message and, you know, the reset button has been pushed. Yeah, you know, it is going to be totally different after that, and 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 I think that people will be a lot more open to the idea of you know coming in on a Tuesday. I think the team also will be a lot more open to you know working on a Wednesday night, not just a Thursday night. I think I think everyone's paradigm is going to sure want to change. Yeah, yeah. 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 And are you looking at those things as being? A, uh, a an interim measure, you know, for the next two or three months is how we're going to do things or um, uh, and then hoping that life gets back to normal or are you doing those things and thinking, no, this is a, this is a new normal. Um, you know, we're going to be open seven days a week. We're going to be open, you know, four or five late nights a week potentially because like you said, you know, you, you have a very high rent and very high uh, 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 rates or, you know, taxes, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you need to maximise your opening times anyway. And in, so, in some ways, this is sort of like a little bit of a silver lining to this, isn't it? That there's an opportunity yeah. there to sort of change culturally how people think about opening hours potentially and and uh, shifts at different stylists work, et cetera, which is good for the business, good for them and good for the clients. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think the thing is, you know, we've always gone about things in the way that we've gone about things and it's worked super well. and you know, there's some ideas. You, you've never had, we've never had the opportunity to sit back and really analyse what customers want, mm. you know. And if we're honest, they would like us to be open more late nights. And so now this is going to be, we need to make this a silver lining opportunity. Mm. You know, we need to make it so that actually a lot of good comes out of this. And hopefully, you know, it means that our team can have a bit more responsibility at different nights of the week. And, you know, I mean, I think... I think it probably will go on to be more of a long-term thing just because this isn't going away anytime soon. So I think, mm. you know, this this extra opening hours and so forth is something that we need to adapt to quite quickly and get people on board with. And, yeah. I, and I think people will be quite excited about it. What, what, what are some of the practical things that clients will notice when they come into the salon. So, for example, you know, think I, I know salons are getting rid of magazines. I know salons yeah. are, 
are getting rid of cups and glasses and, you know, uh, that they're even getting rid of their reception desks, et cetera. Are you doing, what are some sort of, you know, visual things that clients will, will notice that are different about how you uh, are doing business in terms of the experience that they have? You know, I think, I mean, just I was in the salon all day today thinking about client experience and how it's going to look when we come back and, you know, what clients are wanting to see. And two clients, two separate clients knocked on the door whose hair I've done for a very, very long time. And they were really happy to see me. And I opened the door. As soon as I opened the door, they moved back about three metres. And they said, yeah. oh, I can't wait to come in and get my hair done. You know, but that kind of distance thing is going to be really, really important. So I yeah. think... You know, people walking past and seeing a really full salon anymore, I think that's not what they're going to want to see. So I think, you know, things have really changed. I mean, if we think back on, you know, five weeks ago, I think people now are going to be greeted with a nice smile and a, and a, a bottle of hand sanitizer and welcome to feel. You know, yeah. I, think, I think it needs to be very, very obvious. I mean, changes we're going to make, you know, I was thinking about our towels, you know, we just got a whole new set of towels but i think we're going to go for biodegradable you know disposable towels i think it's reassuring for customers i mean mm -hmm. you know i know myself i came in to make myself a coffee i've got my coffee cups downstairs i know they're super super clean but i've got the disposable cup and just at this moment i even chose to take the disposable cup so mm -hmm. you know i've just ordered a whole heap of of biodegradable disposable cups you know i think i think we need to we need to have people feeling reassured. I think, you know, in an ideal world, we'd probably be still using our normal cups. But I think if one or two customers are sitting there just wondering whether it's been cleaned, mm. whereas if I give them one that's straight out of the pack, I think it's reassuring. So, you know, for us, we're certainly going to have, you know, hand sanitizer everywhere. You know, we're going to make sure that we're going to have a whole set of policies to encourage our guys, you know, we're going to make sure that between every customer, we're going to, you know, spray down all the chairs. I mean, some of these things we started to do before we left. Yeah. I would say it was a little bit ad hoc. You know, we, we mm. sort of introduced the barber side and some of us were putting things in and some of us weren't. And I think, you know, now is a, a time to really look back at, I think, some practices that have been overlooked anyway for a long time yeah. when I did my apprenticeship. So, I mean, so, so what sort of changes will there be in terms of, for example, salon tools, brushes, combs, you know, uh, hair well, dryers, first thing, is there anything there that you're going to do different? Yeah. I mean, you know, the first thing is, you know, when you think back in all salons, there's always one or two stylists that maybe just don't have all of their gear mm. and you're halfway through a haircut yeah, and they yeah. go, well, can I borrow a brush? <laughs> you know, and I think, you know, and, and in the past, it may be a little bit kind of, it is what it is. Yeah. I think now that stops, right? You know, someone yeah. borrowing your clippers totally. or whatever, it's totally gone. So we need to be, you know, super crisp about that. You know, we're certainly going to make sure that, you know, all brushes get sprayed at the end of every blow dry. And again, before they start the next one so that the, mm -hmm. the customer can see it happening right in front of their eyes. I think it needs to be super visible. You know, we're yeah. going to have, I've just ordered in, you know, about a dozen of these sanitizer spray things, which, you know, eight weeks ago, you'd never dream about having sitting on your bench. And now we're going to have them sitting in between every styling position so that, you know, clippers get sprayed down before and after every time everything gets clean. Yeah. You know, the benches get wiped down. Reception desk is going to be clean. The, the, the 
credit card machine needs to get cleaned after every service. Okay, well, that's a good example. What are you doing at the reception desk as well? Because things like, so, you know, are you still going to be handling cash? Yeah. Um, what I do mean, you do when you say the credit card machine is going to get sprayed down? What's that going to look like? So, you know, when I think about the congested areas when I was in here today, you know, one of the key things has always been the reception area. So we're going to start to encourage payments to be done at the chair. I yeah. think it's a really... It's a really good idea. I mean, I think, you know, we are going to have a reception desk. Uh, whenever I've been places where there's not one, even when you've been going there for a long time, it, it kind of it, it feels like you haven't got somewhere to greet somebody. So mm. our reception desk is already, it's, it's super efficient, it's super compact. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we're going to, that'll be somewhere to greet and guide people, but we're going to encourage bills to be taken at the chair. And I think most people are going to be wanting to do that. We're mm. going to introduce two you know, I noticed my last couple of clients whose hair I've done for a long time, they didn't want me to hang up their jacket. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to show them where they hang up their jackets. I think people are mostly going to want to start to do, you know, some of those things themselves. We're lucky you're going into summer here, so we'll be able to have the front door open most of the time. Mm-hmm. But certainly, you know, I think when our assistants aren't busy, we need them near the door because I think I want to make it so that when somebody's looking to come in, we've got someone there to either open the door or to keep that handle visibly being cleaned every 15 minutes. You know, okay. I think those kind yeah. of things are going to make a really, really big, a really yeah. big difference. Okay. I mean, um, if we move on, talk about the team, um, you know, because you're, you're going to have a day where you reopen. Are you planning on having any sort of launch event before then with your team, like just yeah. bringing your team in and sort of going, okay, this is what the new norm is going to look like. This is These are the processes and systems that we need to have in place. You know, not just for five minutes and having a nod to, this is what we're going to do yeah. now. This is the new, uh, the, the new norm. This is the new standard, yeah. I mean, look, you know, I was thinking a lot about that, trying to get these things clear myself. And then, you know, some of the people have been with me for, you know, quite a long time. I'm going to start to share these ideas with them. And once we've got it all mapped out, we're going to have, I think we'll have like a, a kind of feel, a feel kind of brunch, you know, where we sit down and mm-hmm. we might have a sort of a, a manager of happiness, happiness and of sanitation, yeah. you know, and uh, happiness and hygiene, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so then we'll have someone that's specifically their role is to make sure that our customers are feeling super reassured with what's going on and our team are feeling very reassured with what's going on and that will be among their other responsibilities but that'll be their key objective yeah you know and 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 then when people join we'll make sure that they understand the training and and you know we'll have a whole set of policies i mean i think it is really you were saying you know on another podcast you know we're going to print up what we're doing and we're going to put it on the wall, we're going to put it on the front desk, we're going to put it on our website, and we're going to explain to yeah. everybody. And, you know, at that field brunch, the whole point to that will be to explain to people, that you know, our amazing team, you know, these are the towels, these are the cups, this is what we're going to do, this is how we treat this, you know, and our policies. I mean, you know, eight weeks ago, probably 25% of our customers came in, they actually hugged, hugged our maybe more, but hugged our sort of stylist. And I think, you know, we need to have a kind of really clear policy about, you know, no touching and being a whole lot more, not just respectful, but guarded about that. So, you Mm. know, we're certainly going to have a a half day sort of working on that 
you know, in a nice environment, something is yeah. proactive. There's going to be some ideas that I've got and there's going to be some other ideas that other people are going to add that will make a lot more sense. Yeah, well, I think that's a really important point, isn't it, that if you can get them involved in coming up with yeah. the new norm, then they're more likely yeah. to buy into it. Are you, are you, yeah. you know, like with, with any team of people, there's often some people that are more engaged than others and some people are resistant to others. How are you going to sort of handle that, um, those sort of issues when it is time to come back about, you know, staff that maybe potentially don't feel safe about coming back to work? Yeah. Look, we sort of had to go through that at the beginning anyway because we, you know, early on, I mean, it was, you know, all your listeners will have been through the same thing. We had this sort of information and I could see, you know, some of our guys were, really quite distressed and so we had a we have a meeting once a week and we sat down and I said guys look you know some of you are going to be feeling uncomfortable about doing this and maybe just maybe you know you're not going to want to come to work we need to try and make it so people feel like they're able to be safe and healthy and living well here but you know I think some of our guys maybe maybe they aren't going to feel confident for a while to come back to work and I think you know we have to look at everybody individually and get to the bottom of it and you know certainly what we need is everybody to come in to really want to be here sure are you going to be offering um, staff or having available uh, masks for staff and and for clients is that going to be it's a really good question I mean I you know I think that we probably will have to have them I think Mm. you know it's almost hard to imagine, you know, cutting someone's hair with a mask on. But I, I think, I think for some people, it's going to feel much more reassuring. Even before we close, we had, you know, quite a few clients ringing up and saying, "Look, Heath, I'll come in and get my hair cut and coloured, but only if everyone in there's got a mask." You know, and I mean, this yeah. was sort of two, three weeks before we closed, and at that time, it seemed like quite an off-the-wall request. And I think, I think people, you know, maybe are going to want to have it. I mean, again, we'll follow what's going to happen with government guidelines, and then we'll have a discussion about how we all feel about it as individuals. Mm. I mean, I think, you know. Well, I was, we'll I was talking to, to someone see. earlier on who was basically telling me that a client rang up their salon uh, yeah. where she normally goes and says, look, I, I really need to blow dry. Um, when you do reopen, uh, what, what changes are there going to be to the client right. experience? And basically the answer was, well, yeah, we're going to reopen next week. Uh, but it's just going to be business as usual. And she was like, yeah, well, no, I, I don't want any Forget business as usual here. Well, you know, yeah. I, I'm, want, I'm wanting a point of difference. So yeah. I think things like that, I mean, I, I mean, the hand washing thing, you know, let's face it, we should all have been doing that and doing it more yeah, than we yeah, were yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. having sanitation, uh, sanitizer and stuff, you know, at strategic places around the salon, I think is a, is, is a you know, it's just going to happen now forever. And every salon you go into, I would imagine, at reception desk and maybe yeah. different stations, it would be available um, and, and just become part of the new norm. I mean, um, it, it isn't, it isn't going to be business as usual when we reopen. It's really a matter of looking at what are the things that are going to be um, temporary, you know, for a month, yeah. maybe for six yeah. months, and, yeah. and, and what are the things that will stick forever. So it's interesting times. I mean, I think there's also a conversation to be had too uh, with our guys. I mean, if I think back on, you know, you have people that come in, they get sick, they're off work and they think, do you know what I need? I need a nice little haircut. You know, we need to be able to empower our team to make it so that if somebody comes in and they're not well, we just say, look, you know what? I mean, 
can we rebook you for another time? And, yeah. you know, I think we will have a conversation about, you know, hi, how are you? Great. Look, I know you normally come in with your children, but, you know, with the situation as at the moment, I mean, we're just actually asking people come in just as a single person as opposed as a group. Yeah. Because sometimes we have, you know, a mum come in or people come in with three or four friends and normally it's great, it's great atmosphere. We run yeah. out of room, people are sitting on stools, we're getting – but I think it's done. I think that's mm. done. And I think also, you know, we need to have a, a really clear guideline as to what the rules will be for, for instance, you know, six months ago if one of your colleagues came in and they had a sore throat and they coughed every third haircut, you'd almost say, well, look, that's great, isn't it? Thanks for coming in. I know you went yeah. well and you performed terrifically yeah. well and yeah. here's the fisherman's friend, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's done, right? Mm. You know, mm. that stuff is yeah. going to be totally unacceptable. I think yeah. somebody coming in that's not in peak condition we has don't want to be, in. you know. Sure. And yeah. we need to, you know, we need to think about that stuff and, and, and have really a different conversation than yeah. we've had in the past about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, Heath, it's been great talking to you. Um, I knew you had some some, uh, calm, insightful, balanced perspective on this. Uh, It's interesting talking to different people in in different, you know, countries, different cities. And I don't think there's a right way and a wrong way anywhere. It's about coming up with what's the right way and wrong way for you, uh, you know, to address this. And maybe in hindsight, we'll look back at it and go, well, this was the right way and that was the wrong way. Until we uh, move move through this, we, we we won't really know. But uh, uh, Heath Lavingdale from Phil in Soho, I really appreciate you taking the time to share with us your wisdom today on this episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. So thank you very much, Heath. My pleasure. Nice to speak with you, Anthony. All the very best. Thanks so much. Cheers. And so that's it for this extraordinary time we live in. I hope that there's been some practical action steps that you can follow in your salons with your team and with your family and friends. Please share this podcast on your social media so that we can get some positive information out there going out into the wider world. I'd like to say a special thank you to our guest today, Clive Allwright from Our Place Salon in Sydney and Heath Lavingdale from the Phil Salon in Soho, London. And until next week's podcast, please stay safe, wash your hands and make a choice to be a leader in these difficult times and care for those that you love and lead. I'm Anthony Whitaker, and you've been listening to the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.